Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at TBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here with Ush Danik, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR, and now an emotional intelligence coach. Good morning, Ush. How are you? Morning, Jackie. How are you? I was just, um, I feel really organized now. Thank you for that compliment. (laughs) (laughs) I was just just talking to Jackie and we have this chat before we normally hit live to, to record and Obviously, me being EQ, I'm quite creative, imaginative. I don't prepare for any of our conversations, literally whatsoever. <laughs> Most of the time, we're in our PJs, just had showers recording it for you. Um, and Jackie's really the organized one out of us, which is obviously the IQ side of our podcast. But I just said to her, I can see you on my phone, and I've got this exercise we're going to do with you guys around some values on my screen. So I'm feeling super pumped and organized. Mm. How are you? How are you, Jackie? Yeah, I'm I'm really good this morning. I'm feeling bright and chirpy and I'm ready to dive into this. I think that we've got, we've been talking about this value exercise for a couple of episodes and we're actually going to do it. So that's awesome. Um, but also our guest that we'll, I'll introduce in a second, I think, well, as you mentioned as well, the conversation was excellent. So I think a lot of people will get Very. a lot out yeah. of what we're doing today. Yeah, look, um, you guys are in for a treat with with the interview for sure. It's so far one of my favourites. I can't have favourites. I'm, I'm a <laughs> co-podcast show host. I'm not allowed favourites, but yeah, <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> so shall we dive into the values exercise? Yep, let's do that. All right. Hmm. So listeners, you can either go grab this values exercise now, pause us, do what you need to do, go get the exercise. Jackie's put it up onto the website and we'll also keep it up for a couple of episodes so you guys can go dive into this. So this is an exercise that I did in my training for becoming a certified EQ coach. What I love about this exercise, just for a bit of context for you guys, is that we always say, yeah, we know what our values are. And, you know, most people say, do you know what your values are? And you go, oh, yeah. And majority of the ones people shout out, I like integrity, honesty, family, all that sort of stuff. But I think what I realized when I did this is two things that I I wasn't really clear, to be honest, on what my values were. Hmm. Part of me was aligned to what I thought they should be Mm -hmm. or what I thought people should think I should have as values. Yeah. And the other thing I realized during this exercise as well was that the values can change and that's okay. You know, like depending on what stage you are in your life, they can totally change. And I know I've done this exercise every couple of years, to be honest, throughout mm. becoming a, a coach and running my business and, you know, having Gia and, and my values have changed. And I was coaching someone and they said, oh, but if my values change, does that mean I'm not authentic? Oh. And and I think that's definitely not the case. It just means that you're you're feeling a different thing at that moment in time and certain things are more important to you than others. Yeah. And the other thing with this exercise, which is really good, is that it helps you go, okay, well, here are a list of my values and we'll go through it in a second, but it actually narrows them down and gives you a technique to go, well, which ones are more important and why? Mm. Yep. I like that. I've done a similar exercise before where I had the whole list and then I had to narrow it down to about five, but the process of the narrowing down wasn't anything like what you've got outlined here. So yeah, yeah, it's a good way to do it. Hmm. Cool. Should we kick into it? We shall. All right. So if you guys do have your sheet or if you're just listening to this and you don't have your sheet, that's fine. It's not going to take away from how you do it later on. But the objective of this exercise is really just to help you clarify what your values and your beliefs are okay and the definition of your personal values i i call them as your inner rules so they're your standards they're your principles it's what you use to make choices and to run your life pretty much okay so that's that's how i look at what values are what what do, what does values mean to you jackie just out of curiosity i think that it's like a deep sense of well what's important to you mm. yeah um so it's it's not necessarily something you even need to be conscious of because some people have really deep values and just can't articulate what they are, but this will help to articulate it. And then really, because you're conscious of it, um, really help you live by it. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So what the first part of the exercise is, is to choose around 15 values that you resonate with. Hmm. Now to help you out, I've put together a bit of a list. Of, of some, some really random, some pretty common, but there's obviously other ones in there that you can choose. So Jackie, do you want to share with our listeners what 15 you shows? Yeah. So there's basically a whole page and there's three columns of all these words. 
Um, and so I've pre-narrowed it down to my 15 and, um, you know, being ultra logical like I am, I, out of the three columns, I did five in each column. I so knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and they're all in alphabetical order too. So that's nice. <laughs> so I had adventure, autonomy, challenge, competence, contribution, fairness, freedom, health, independence, integrity, learning, loyalty, peace, reliability, tolerance. Yeah, great. Mm. Part two of your exercise is to now prioritize your most important values. So what we're doing there is writing down the seven most important values in any order, okay? So when you do your seven, you don't want to go, oh, what's what number one, what's number two? Just out of those 15, pick seven. Do you want to do that now? Mm. All right. Any particular method to narrow them down? Because no, uh, I think it's literally just what you're drawn to when you look at that list. Mm. So no, I'm sorry, but you can't do out of those five. I have to choose two. Like we've purposely, you know, made it difficult for you now, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> There's no logic in it. This one. Well, I'm down to six. Ooh. Um. So one more, you reckon? Yeah, seven. We need. I'm gonna go completely off script and not even choose one out of my 15 and go service is my seventh. There you go. Awesome. All right. So what I've asked Jackie to do here is the seven are in order of A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. As opposed to numbers. So what have you got for A? Adventure. C. Competence. C. Freedom. D. Integrity. E. Learning. F. Fairness. G. Service. Service. Great. Yeah, interesting. Really good ones. So the, the last part of the exercise is around ranking these values now in order of importance. Okay, so getting the seven was in no particular order. Now we want to get them in order. So the best way to do this, and you guys will see it visually on, on the paper, which would help you rather than my poor explanation. But you want to compare each of the values to each other. Okay. So what that means is you want to look at A and B. Mm -hmm. And then you want to circle, is A more important or is B more important? Mm. So there's the little grid um, that's on the bottom of the third page of the sheet, which helps compare everything against A and then everything against B and so on and so forth. When doing this comparison, what sort of context should I be thinking about? Because um, my first two, like adventure, is the first one that I'm ranking against everything else. I mean, in some contexts, adventure is way more important to me, but in other contexts, competence is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, look, the technique here is really around those two in isolation. Mm. So let's say you've got competence versus service. Oh, sorry, adventure versus service. Which one's more important to you? Service. That's your answer there then. So what you're doing is you're going A over B, A over C, A over D, A over E, A over F, A over G. So which one yeah. out of those, you know, individually is more important? So then you just circle. And again, for our listeners, you know, the visual will help you in the grid. Um, almost everything's more important than adventure. Yeah, okay. So that's what mm. it is for now. Mm. Competence is my next value. So I have to rank that against everything. Correct. So then you do B versus C, B versus D, B versus E, B versus F, B versus G. Hmm. This is tricky. Mm, it is. All right. This is hard. Some of it's surprising. Oh, it's very surprising. I was convinced I knew what mine were when I got my seven. And mm. the, uh, the top one for me was really not what I thought it was going to be. Mm. All right. I think I'm done. All right. So what Jackie's done is she's gone through each of the values, A to G, and compared them against each other as per the instructions on the sheet. The last part of the exercise is to calculate how many A's you circled, how many B's you circled, all the way up to G. And the total, when you add them all up, should be 21. So Jackie, do you want to do that now? Mm. So the letter most circled is your highest value that's most important to you. Hmm. Learning. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Second, freedom. Third, fairness. Fourth, service. Um, then, integrity. Then, competence. 
and then adventure. There you go. And isn't it interesting that when you were in no particular order listing it, though, the adventure was first that popped out for you? Mm. Well, that's because of alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Was that what it was? Therefore. Probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so mine was love, which I was like really blown away by. I'm like, wow. where did that come from? <laughs> wow. But it was um, totally up there, which has nothing to do with business, clearly. No. And yeah, it's just I've, I've run this exercise with executives in a room part of their EQ training coaching and literally they've been what like where did that come from and it's just doing that exercise of comparing one against each one mm -hmm. that makes you go okay well rather than eeny meeny miny mo and pick which one I resonate with it's sort of a method to the madness there I like the method I think that it was it was hard not to overthink it yeah that's right hmm. any tips for the viewers when they're doing it at home well I just sort of went if nothing else was going on what would I value most in someone else oh yeah mm. yeah so yeah great excellent so was learning a surprise for you um I knew that learning was fairly high in what I like but I certainly think that it's a it's something that like I said I like but maybe I don't think about how much I value other people learning around me as well yeah, yeah mm. of course yeah, interesting. Mm, very interesting. So we would we would love our um, listeners to just comment and shout out, you know, what your value was after you've done this exercise and let us know if it was different to what you thought it might be. Yeah, I think that'll be very interesting. Mm. Let's jump into the interview. Yeah. Yeah. So I spoke with Amanda McLean. Um, I know her through her business. She's also a member of that group and we've sat beside each other a few times at various events and I've always found her to be really authentic and mm. thorough and just so calm and humble, beautiful mm. person. So she's the founder of the Gravitas Project for Women Who Lead. She's had an amazing career and now she's really passionate about guiding women to unlock their unique potential for professional growth. So women looking to go into the C-suite, get onto advisory boards or heading up global programs. Amanda found herself being the only woman at a lot of those tables when she was going through her career. And now she can see how valuable it is to have a deeper uh, mentoring group um, where women are going through similar learning things together. So let's jump in and welcome Amanda. Welcome Amanda McLean to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. How are you this evening? I am so well this evening, Jackie. I've been so looking forward to talking with you and I love this topic, the wisdom to navigate daily life. So I've just been so, so looking forward to having a chat with you and maybe even a deep conversation on this wonderful topic. Yeah, I am really enjoying the conversations that I've been able to have and what it's opening up. And I think that, well, I hope that the audience is going to get a lot out of having these deeper conversations on things that um, might just be glossed over a lot or not spoken about. So shall we dive into a couple of questions straight away before we get into the nitty gritty about what you're doing? Definitely. So... I always ask, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I so love this question because um, I wanted to be a teacher. Ah. And I had the most amazing teacher, Miss Helen Webster, in year five and year six. And we were so delighted because we got to have her in the second year as well um, because of a, a swapping around of the teaching arrangements. And I came from a very um, traditional family where... Mm -hmm. I mean, had traditional roles. And Miss Webster was this, you know, what you would say in that, that era, hippie. She was wore these really hippie clothes and had travelled all around the world. She'd been to India and um, to Russia and had the most amazing stories and would bring in um, her slides and photos. And I just thought she was amazing. And I think I just wanted to be Miss Webster and have her life. But what I would say, and people so often talk about the impact that a great teacher can have on you and on your life, is that she gave me my love of travel. 
and my curiosity to explore the world. And that has been something that I um, have been able to do throughout my career. And here I am so many years later, what, what did I admit? It was 1975, so you can calculate my age now. So many years later, I find myself not in a traditional teaching role, mm. but in, in teaching or sharing um, the knowledge that I've come across throughout my career with other women. That's brilliant. So it's really come full circle. Even though it's not um, the traditional path, you've still come around to, to teaching and mentoring. It's brilliant. Mm. Very much so, so. What has your career path looked like? Look, again, um, it's such an interesting when you look back on your career because when we're in the middle of our career, we're so busy. Sometimes we can't see um, those pivot points and those those moments of, of decision that really lay the next part of your journey or your path throughout your career. And um, after uni, I, as I said, I had a very traditional career. I had done a Bachelor of Business with a marketing major and advertising sub-major. So I went straight into marketing. That was my love. That was my, I guess, my stream, my alley, my road where, uh, where I played for the first part of my career. And I work, work, did work in large corporates mm. and progressed through the ranks in marketing and product management and just loved it. And I'd worked really, really hard. I had five promotions in five years in my 20s. So I got to 29 and I hadn't had the gap year. I'd actually never taken a real holiday. Mm -hmm. So I decided before my 30th, I was going to take my gap year. So I um, bought a backpack and off I went to live in London. And I travelled through um, India and, and different places and uh, trekked in, in Nepal, but ended up uh, in London. And I'm very fortunate to have a British passport so I could uh, work easily and continued my corporate career and spent five years working, interestingly, for two American companies. Mm-hmm. And that, that's re- that I make that point because I'll come back to it maybe in one of our other questions. Yeah. So I was living in, in the UK, but I worked for two American companies. So... Um, but I think, you know, just to, to talk about the career path, it yes, I was, you know, so loved marketing and working with the advertising agencies and having the big budgets and, mm. you know, major launches and all those sorts of things. But um, there came a point when I wanted to expand my impact and my, my and learn again yeah. um, to do something different and to do something new. And I had an opportunity to move into the EMEA office of the so Europe, Middle East and African office, based, again, still based in London, of the same company and take on a role as operations manager for that division. And I work for the most amazing female uh, vice president and it was a fabulous environment because also the CFO was female and she was African-American. So a real mix of experience and role models that I may not have um, enjoyed had I stayed uh, in Australia. Mm. But that was a pivot point. And I, I talk about this a lot to the women that I mentor, which is about if you want to continue your career and proceed to the highest levels of management or of influence or of leadership, you need to broaden your knowledge. Um, It's very uh, rare to be able to progress to the highest uh, levels of leadership within a single discipline. So you need to be you need to understand the governance, you need to understand the financials, you need to understand the operations, you need to understand HR, you need to be able to budget and forecast and all those sorts of things. Mm. Um, prepare the board papers, brief the board, those sorts of things. And for me, that was pivotal uh, in then changing the direction of my career and a few uh, steps over the pond and uh, found myself back in Australia. And uh, my last corporate career was as COO of a $100 million private company Mm -hmm. based in Sydney with um, 700 staff and uh, locations all over Australia in in an industry that I absolutely loved and an organisation that I really loved, the the values and what they stood for, which was lifelong learning and employability for everyone. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) 
Now, eight and a half years in that role and the company grew uh, fivefold. Wow. So it was very intense. Mm. Um, and I learned an amazing amount and had fabulous uh, experiences. But I was ready to move on. Almost the company had grown out of me or I'd grown out of the company. I, I, it just wasn't the right fit anymore. And at that stage, my husband had set up his own business in um, private wealth management. He's a, an advisor to um, CEOs and company directors on their, their personal circumstances. Mm -hmm. said, and the business was growing. And I said, darling, I'll come and work with you for a year and set up the back office and, you know, corporatize it all and get your systems in place and, you know, cover off all of those things I touched on, marketing operations, making sure we had good systems, excellent customer interfaces, all those things. How did that go? The first year was a bit, a bit challenging because we both wanted to be the alpha male in the office. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit... Uh, and the challenge, I'd also gone from large corporates mm. to working in a small business. So we had yeah. six staff mm -hmm. with yeah. my husband in partnership mm -hmm. uh, in an industry that I knew nothing about and really, yeah, so it was, it was a, a big leap. But seven years later, um, I was still working with him and okay. we took that business on an amazing journey to build the business we wanted to build together and deliver our wisdom and knowledge and practical advice and, and ethical advice to, to our clients. Wow, brilliant. And then it was my time to do what I really wanted to do, which is great mentor women, and here mm. I am. Mm, yeah, so this is really what you're passionate about now. It is what I'm passionate about now. I, I think really it's been... Um, a through line throughout my career. I've always wanted to share my knowledge and to support other people, men and women, mm. my team and elsewhere within organisations that I've worked in to be the best that they can be and to really step into everything, the potential, all of the potential that they have. So it's always, always been there. That's why it's so funny when you look back on your career, there's been this, this thing that I've always felt passionate about and always found time to support women and, and my team in that way. Yeah. It's um, so nice that you say yeah. that actually. Mm. We're both in the Her Business group and yes. it's certainly they talk very much about joining the dots and the mm. major dots looking back. Um, you couldn't join those major dots looking forward, but looking back, you can see a pretty clear path. Yeah. I like that concept. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And uh, I forgot what your question was. Oh. What was I telling you, Jackie? <laughs> you were telling me about your passion. Oh, no, my that's passion. My passion. Yes. So, so, the so, Gravitas yeah. Project is born. Yes. It is, it is. So we're a new business. Um, I um, launched about uh, 18 months ago now. And um, look, I just feel it's really important work for women. We need more women in leadership. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Mm. And that's leadership in all aspects, whether it's community within your, your the school that your children attend, politics, community, um, yeah. business, government, whatever. We need more women leaders to bring balance uh, viewpoints, to bring alternate viewpoints, uh, compassionate leadership and true understanding of families, individuals and community. And I think that's really, really important. Um, and don't get me on to Donald Trump because I think my memoir is going to be called Donald Mamby Do It because that was <laughs> really so good. The, one of the last rules that I said, you know, this I can't sit back and think that this is the way that, that leadership is is evolving no. within this day and age. So, look, I really wanted to share my knowledge and I, I've had a wonderful career. I've had excellent um, opportunities. Um, I've grabbed those with both hands. I've worked really, really hard, but I've always been open to learning and and I remain open to learning now. It's, it's not done for me. It will never be done for me. But I really wanted to share what I had seen here and overseas and in all of the travel that I had done and to help other women uh, and support them in, in taking their own journey 
Yeah, yeah, and, brilliant. And, you know, I always look to the people that had come before me, men and women, mm. to help me take the next step. So I wanted to be that, that person for others as well. So the Gravitas Project is a female-only program that you're running. I wanted to ask you why it's necessary, I suppose, or maybe preferable for women to have a female-only leadership program? Again, that is such a great question because I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, when will I be launching the Gravitas Project for men? Oh, really? Yes. So it's not just that there is um, a need amongst women. There is a need to have an elevated skill set around leadership across the board. Yeah, true. In business, in politics, in community. But my experience is as a woman and my passion is to support other women. So that's why it is. So it could be delivered to men and women. But I think for women, it's really important that they have a very safe environment to explore some of these um, skills and traits and beliefs and perceptions in a, in a space that's, you know, free from politics and censure and judgment and criticism, that they can have a really safe place to expand their wings and to maybe push against some of their perceptions about themselves or others or even how others perceive them mm. and really come back um, to themselves and their authentic self and say, who am I as a leader to step more into themselves around that? but to have some really solid foundations, some really solid practices mm-hmm. that support them in any situation that they would walk into, whether it's a presentation or a, um, a negotiation or whatever it might be, so that they are always can fall back on that, that structure that has been built throughout the program. And, look, it's not just that women need this. It's that I think... It's not being taught anymore. So there's so much out there, pages and pages that you can Google and find on YouTube or anywhere about leadership courses and leadership training and leadership this, and there's no shortage of places for women to go to get this information. But I think what is missing is the elements that knit it all together, which is about their internal and their external. Because mm-hmm. leadership exists in your brain, often in the way that it's taught in some of these. So it's a theory or a practice, but you need to have the other elements around that, the inner and the outer. So your self-belief and confidence, your own perception of yourself and, and others. You need to have the external, um, the outer elements that will help you to be someone that's listened to and heard and a person of influence and impact. And that's often your voice and your movement, how you use your body to portray your message and to be that person that people trust and go to when there is an unprecedented situation in their industry or in the business. You know, you need to um, be able to, to project to be that person of trust that's listened to and heard in all situations. And as I said, that's you know, inner and outer, physical, the way you uh, use language, um, even your personal brand, how you show up, you know, all those sorts of things. It's a, it's a complete package and, I work, and it's a journey. That's why it's a project. This is mm. not something that can be done. No, by know, reading a book. Or a weekend workshop or a, you know, quick fix. Mm. Yep. You touched on so many mm. elements there, so many deep points because you're right, it's it's very much the a safe environment for women to learn in that's important. But as you say, getting good feedback and so that um, when you're implementing or trying things, you've actually got someone to bounce things back at you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I can really work with the women quite closely on which of those things are going to have the most impact for them and will and um, perhaps come up with two or three tasks for them to complete over the next three months and they go out and practice that in, a, in safe ways that we've set up or, you know, testing. If I use this type of terminology or if I speak in this way and use this sort of language, what reaction am I getting what impact is that happening? And then they can come back and feed that back and say, I did this and did that and I tried that and I stood in this way and I opened the meeting in that way and 
you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's also very yeah. being very conscious as well, isn't it? Very conscious about so. your own development and, like you say, being quite strategic about trying things and um, constantly being aware rather than falling back into old patterns. That's right. And it's very much about self-leadership. Um, one thing I, I often despair at is how often women wait for the organisation to train them or prepare them. That's right. The it's really about it's up to you. And that's probably one of the other main themes in my career is, yes, I had fabulous training from mm -hmm. the organisations that I work for, but a lot of the, the things that I did that really um, accelerated me forward were things that I invested in myself. And it doesn't need to be necessarily a, a high dollar figure investment. Mm -hmm. It could be listening to a series of uh, podcasts or doing a, um, you know, looking at some um, YouTube videos about, you know, presentation skills or whatever it might be. So it's an investment in, of intent yeah. in yourself that I recognise that if I want to go to the next level, I need to work on X, Y and Z and going about doing that. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And also, as you say, I think a lot of women do wait or they, they think that the people above them will look after them and mentor them or even that they assume that the people above them are actually doing thing, things consciously and are good leaders as well, which might not necessarily be the case too. I've certainly worked for some people who I certainly wouldn't want to emulate or be like. So, hmm, yeah, really yes. hmm. yeah, that's a great point as well is surrounding yourself with good role models. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and really having that learner's mind that we touched on before, always being open to learning. So what, how, and everything, how is it that, you know, if you see someone with gravitas, like if you think about Michelle Obama, what is it when you try and unpick it, what is it? It's all those elements that I've touched on. To really observe her, not just uh, the whole Mm. because she's amazing mm. uh, what is it specifically you look at how she the words that she uses and how she uses her voice and her diction and how she uses her body movements and body language and you know you know as well as I do that she has prepared mm. and prepared and prepared and prepared mm. and practiced so you know all those types of things and I'm sure she is surrounded by positive role models and I know she is through reading her memoir uh, positive female role models that supported her in all aspects of her life from looking after her family to looking after herself mm, yeah and that also brings up the point that we need to actively search out for the role models that we want to emulate doesn't it because they're not just going to fall into our lives Correct, correct. Yes. So it's it's really important to be surrounded by positive female role models. There is so much negativity out there mm. as as we all know. And I also somewhat despair about the commentary of, you know, the um, you know, the pay gap and um uh, discrimination against women and which I know exists. So please don't misunderstand. I know those things exist. But there are also amazing, amazing women out there who have succeeded despite or in spite of all of these obstacles. So how can you as an individual and taking your own self-leadership mm. draw from those, who, those women who have come before you and look at, well, how did they do it? Mm -hmm. I didn't have a magic, uh, you know, genie looking after me in my career and I'm sure neither did you it's, no. well it's, you, you you were your own magic genie oh thank you <laughs> you know I made mistakes and I fell and I you yes. know scraped my knees and got up and learned something else and read and listened and observed and mm. we can all, all do that but mm. it's that surrounding yourself by positive messages mm. positive role models grab all of the memoirs and podcasts from people that you, or from women that you um, admire and take it in like a, a balm into your brain of this, this 
positive knowledge and and role models. It's yes. Just, yeah. To balance um, out some of the negativity. And I haven't actually read Michelle Obama's book yet, but mm. I think the audio book she speaks it herself. So that's the one I'm going to listen to. Uh, that it's it is a great story, and it's um, a story of women for women, of mm. all for all women, mm. because she again didn't come from a privileged background. So when you look at uh, her steps in her life, there's something from for all of us to take from that. I, I loved it and uh, really resonated with me and, and particularly with the women that I work with. Great. It's just jumped back to the top of the pile. Excellent. <laughs> oh, down my coffee with, with notes and, and scribbles in it. Uh, so with all the experience that you have, what advice would you give back to your 21-year-old self if you could? Look, I think back to myself at 21. So I was in my first corporate job. Mm. I would say exactly what I've just said, which is find more more role models in a more active way Mm. and positively go out and seek mentors. Mm. And there's times throughout my career when I did do that, I asked, you know, the HR person you know could I is there someone that could mentor me that can support me through this phase of my career and particularly in that that midsection when you know you have a lot of responsibility but not necessarily the experience um, behind you and I often found that I would end up mentoring the mentor that was assigned to me so it just (laughs) I never really found true mentors in that part of Mm. of my career and I would love to have had that. So my advice to myself back then would be don't ask once, don't ask twice, don't ask three times. Ask a 100 times and ask a 100 different people because you will find a mentor out there that will really be a role model for you and a cheer squad and a shoulder and an advocate um, and all those things. So to myself, I would say, ask again. Yeah, that's it. lovely. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. I've got to admit as well, in my 20s, I didn't value having a network as much as I do now. And I yeah. think that there's so many relationships that I didn't cultivate and just discarded, mm-hmm. which is a bit unfortunate. But uh, oh, certainly, so, yeah. yeah. So definitely in your 20s, as early as you can, start doing mm-hmm. that. I would echo that and um, I even use a a different word with the women that I work with and I don't say mentor necessarily because that can sometimes seem like it's a really big commitment like it might even be a you know professional mentor and it just seems like it's so formal Mm. so I talk about having a supportive network so that network of supporting people that you can um, have a coffee with or reach out to or maybe you just see them once a month or once a quarter, but you know that they are there and there is that that trust and that uh, lack of you know, absence of judgment and mm-hmm. absence of censure, absence of politics, where you can say, look, this I'm facing this issue. Have you ever experienced something similar? What, what goes on in your organisation around this particular issue or whatever it might be? So I think... You're really thinking of it as as that supporting network around you. They are your mentors, um, mm. and you know I would certainly make time in your diary for those important coffees and lunches and and walks in the park or whatever it might be. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I always like to ask as well whether you have any personal rituals where you check in with yourself to either make sure that you're checking on your well-being, your personal, how, how you're feeling, or whether you're checking in with yourself to make sure that you're projecting what you want to project. I uh, love that one about pro- projecting who you want to be or, more importantly, who you are. Mm. Is projecting who you are. And, look, um, again, in the Gravitas Project, there's five foundation moves that um, I teach mm. and we get together for two days every quarter and we always start the session practising these foundation moves. And one of them is one that I've used throughout my, the latter part of my career and it's about your stance. 
how do you stand? How do you stand within in yourself, mm. standing in who you are, but also physically how do you stand? And we practice uh, what is it you might call a power pose, but it's, it's a stand. <laughs> so two feet on the ground, you know, your ears are above your shoulders, your shoulders are above your hips, your hips are above your knees and your knees are above the arch of your foot. Hands loosely by your side, open chest, uh, relaxed jaw and breathing through your diaphragm. And we start off doing that for about a minute. And you, it doesn't sound long, but if you stand there fully present, not with your hands clasped, not with your hands on your hips, yep. um, not standing on one foot or leaning to one side for a minute, it's actually, and being fully present in yourself in that minute, it's quite challenging. Mm. And the group I'm working with now, we're actually up to 10 minutes. So wow. we start each morning of the sessions standing in that pose for 10 minutes. And it's just so powerful because you are physically solid. Mm. You know, if you think about, often, I so often see women standing on one leg when they're yes. presenting. Or That's exactly to someone, what I'm thinking about. Mm. Or particularly talking to someone more senior. Um, they, and it's, it's about diminishing your size and your, yourself subconsciously mm. so because you're smaller. And also from a body language point of view, far easier, you're a pushover. So you can far more easily push someone over that's on one leg than True. two. So you think about all that, that um, analogies around that. So stand with your feet, just natural height and breathe. Mm. And then whatever comes at you. It can go through you, over you, whatever. It just washes over you if someone's being trying to be domineering or aggressive or whatever. It just washes past you because you are solid and it gives you such power and such presence and also allows your voice to project. Mm, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly the strength and stability that's coming to mind because I mm -hmm. certainly always pop a hip out and stand on one foot. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we all want to, you know, take the um, fig leaf pose. So, you know, if you're standing up on a stage, it's the fig leaf, you know, the two hand, hands. Yes. Uh, where Adam or Eve might have their hands. And it's, yeah, you know, that, that strength. And now I've mentioned it, um, observe people. So observe, um, you know, leaders who are on stage or um, maybe accepting a nomination or whatever it might be where they have to stand for a time or professional presenters, newscasters, those sort of things. They really have that quiet gravitas that comes simply from the way they, they stand. It's a really powerful thing. So take, take a stand Take that stand next time you're about to uh, head into maybe a meeting where you really want to have presence mm -hmm. and be yeah. and heard. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great advice. Uh, and again, it's the conscious piece, isn't it? Because as soon Very as so. you, yeah, as soon as you take that stance, it reminds you of who you are and what you're doing. And yeah, I love that. Thank mm. you for sharing that. That's brilliant. So I do want to be respectful of your time. Thank you. I thank you so much for sharing what you've shared with us. If the audience wants to find out more about you and the Gravitas Project, where should they go? I would love you to link with me on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, I hang out in LinkedIn quite a lot. So that's Amanda McLean, which is M-A-C-L-E-A-N. And I have a closed LinkedIn group for women working in the corporate world where I share stories and tips and commentary and, and just this type of thing that we talk about yeah, right. uh, again in a very safe um, confidential environment so um, connect with me on LinkedIn and um, my website as well is www.gravitasproject.com brilliant to see you there yeah, fantastic. And we'll put all the links in the show notes as well so that people can find that easily from that place as well. Fabulous. So, thank you again so much for your time, Amanda. It was so nice to talk to you this evening. Okay, Ush, you said this is one of your favourites, not that you can have favourites. No. It's like you're um, what... a child, favourite child or a favourite puppy, right? <laughs> yes, like you've only got one child. That's right, yeah.
what did you like so much? Um, look, for me, it was definitely, um, I, like I was, again, pottering around the house when I normally do when I listen to these. And she made me stop doing what I was doing at certain points in the interview because I was like, no, I actually want to sit and just listen to this. And there Apple. was just this, yeah, and there was this deep genuineness in Amanda when she was talking and a love for what she was doing that I could actually feel it in her voice. And it just, it, it was almost like, oh no, I can't do what I'm doing. I need to just respect and listen to what's going on here. That's how I felt. But I, I really enjoyed the interview. And, and one bit that really hit home for me and it actually triggered a couple of memories was at the beginning bit of the interview when she said, you know, for a, I think I can't remember the words, but she goes, for a woman to be successful, you need to have an understanding of different aspects within the business. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. And I don't think when I was in my career, I valued that as enough or I didn't hold it as important as I do now running my own business. And if there's any one thing I want to, you know, just share with our listeners who are potentially at, you know, at the earlier stages of their career or are looking to progress into the C-suite is really just sit with what she said and, and listen to that a couple of times that it's so important to be across different aspects of the business to, to be able to then be on advisory boards and know the numbers, understand how the numbers work understand how the HR process is working, what you can and can't do. And I think that's crucial. And I think if I didn't start my own business and and leave the corporate world, I probably would have come unstuck because of that. Mm. Yeah. Or at some point you, you do find that ceiling because it's a ceiling of personal growth rather than a ceiling of gender in that respect. But she also is very um, passionate about the concept that women do need particular mentoring and they need to be in a safe place. And so learning these things with other women is far more safe than learning it in a co-ed environment. Yeah. So I like that. That was really good. And the only other thought I really had, uh, and again, it was more around me reflecting when I was listening to the interview around what my career was like uh, in the corporate sense. And potentially it's different. Like I left corporate uh, eight, almost eight years ago now. But it's, the, it's, it's easy enough to say, well, yeah, go and get opportunities and learn about finance and learn about this. But sometimes we don't always get that opportunity uh, within the workplace. So how do we create that environment around us? obviously, you know, with the support of people like Amanda and and those groups, but we do have to go, right, this is a gap and I need to go out now and find out how to fill this gap because potentially the workplace isn't going to be supportive of filling that gap or there might not be an opportunity to fill that gap. Yes, so true. And not everyone above you in management is out for your best interest. They like where you're at particularly potentially because you're not going to go anywhere so they're not going to tell you what your gaps are to progress necessarily and so she was very much about consciously working out where you think your gaps are and then consciously going out and finding the education or role models for that yeah and again this can sound a bit controversial but I'm going to say it anyway I was talking to a woman who called me a couple of weeks ago just for a bit of HR advice and she's going through a bit of a rough time getting bullied at work by her by her manager and the crux of the issue is is that she's a star performer a high performer who has reached out and asked for more development the current manager isn't that supportive so she's gone above and mm-hmm. what's come out of it is that the 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 current manager is actually incompetent mm-hmm. so the gaps that she's trying to fill and promote uh, herself up to and and get help on the current manager's not going to do because that person doesn't know themselves and they're potentially in a role that, you know, that whole... Yeah, the roles are stretched for them and then they get defensive about trying to protect their position. And a lot of us will come across a lot of mediocre people in positions and we're like, how the hell did you get there? And you start doubting yourself because you think, what am I... Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the, what Amanda's point was, like, you know, like you said, it's just getting that network of people around you and that safe environment where you can talk and go, well, how do I, how do I learn? How do I learn how to read a profit and loss properly? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. If I'm yeah. not getting the opportunity at work. Yeah. And how do I implement certain different ways of dealing with things? And then I'll come back and report back next time. So I don't like having confronting conversations, perhaps. Let's work out a method of of addressing those things in a way that feels comfortable. Go and try it out. Come back, report what worked and what didn't and work on something else. Because who else can you bounce that sort of stuff off? Yeah, correct. Hmm. I'm a real fan of 
um, you know, that group supportive environment. And then personally for me, you know, I like the balance of the one-on-one as well. Yeah. So where you can really, you know, have a bit of laser focus and go, right, what is it that you were struggling with and, and how do we fix that now? Yeah. Yeah. And where it links really well into values as well is the concept of the personal brand. I mean, personal branding is getting bandied around a lot, particularly for, you know, small business owners and entrepreneurs, but this is personal branding for someone in corporate going for the C-suite. And so it's not necessarily about building a personal brand externally on social media. It's about being really conscious of who you are and living by it and making it nice and clear to everyone about who you are. Yeah. And, and go back to what I said at the beginning of the values exercise is not feeling you need to have or be a certain way because you're applying for C-suite positions as well. So can you say true? Can you say authentic? Can you go, Jackie, for example, if you're in corporate into an interview and say, yep, learning is, you know, my core value when that might be really different to what, what they were expecting it to be mm. um, potentially. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Very interesting. She did also recommend the book um, Becoming that Michelle Obama has just written. And I have listened yes. to that since I spoke to Amanda and it was amazing. I've heard of it, haven't done it, but I'll put it on my list too. Yeah. So she speaks the audio version herself. So it's like having Michelle in your ear for a, you know, a few days while you listen to it. Really good. Oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm. So there you go, Amanda McLean, and that's the Gravitas project that she runs. So check her out. I'll put her links to her contacts in on our website. But I think there's certainly a lot of people who could get a lot of value out of doing either mentoring or the Gravitas project with her. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, what have you got on for the next couple of weeks, Whoosh? I'm going to Tasmania on Sunday um, mm. and I'm running a emotional intelligent workshop on monday for a dental practice oh yeah great yeah you got a lot of dentists as clients yeah i've got a couple at the moment actually um and they're sort of scattered all over australia so a couple (laughs) of melbourne couple in sydney and this one's in um tasmania so yeah that'd be great and (laughs) today having a nice quiet catch-up day at home which which makes a change. G is on school holidays. So I I usually get that guilt of where she's constantly in vacation care, right? For any of our our listeners that have kids in vacation care. And she said yesterday, mom, it's not fair. You know, like I don't get a holiday and other kids have got holidays. And I'm like, oh God. So I'm like, okay, I'll do a work from home day and she can just chill and have a bit of a holiday. TV day day or something. Mm. Exactly. What about you? Sounds good. I'm just knuckling down over the next couple of weeks. You know, my diary is jam packed and um, I've just got to make sure that I can stay focused on the bigger goals and fit some of those things in as well as exercise. So that's all I'm focusing on. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) All right. Well, great to chat with you and um, we'll talk again soon. 